0: This is All In, I'm Miriam Sobh. Today, we're learning about technologies and systems that have been increasingly prominent in the tech world, things like cryptocurrencies, blockchains, and NFTs that can be difficult to understand unless you take a really, really deep dive. So we'll spend the hour doing just that to find out how these technologies work, where they came from, and why some people think they're going to change the world. To help us through it, we're joined by Aniket Kote, an Associate Professor of Computer Science at Purdue University. Thank you so much for joining us, Aniket. Thanks for having me. There's a lot to get into here. So I guess we'll start with the topic we mentioned that most people listening know something about or have heard something about by this uh, point in time, which is cryptocurrencies. When did cryptocurrency first get started?
1: So the term cryptocurrency is fairly new. Uh, I would say that maybe the term started to get employed maybe seven or eight years ago in the form of Bitcoin as the prominent players were there. However, the concept of uh, performing op- currency or payment operations via cryptography, uh, via making sure that we have authenticity of those transactions, is fairly old, uh, maybe 90s, where it was initially thought as a, something as a helpful tool for banking environment in terms of the products such as digital cash.
0: What was the initial reason cryptocurrency was created? You said it was as far back as the 90s. I guess I'm wondering what purpose it served then and and if it's changed to what it's being used for now.
1: We are getting surprised with all things. Indeed, in 90s, the idea there was, can we have an environment where we have currencies or we have payment mechanisms available, which are complementary to the existing dollar transactions or euro transactions where our accounts and our payments are not only just maintained on our banking system on a ledger, but in fact, there could have an independent presence where uh, another system keep track of all this information and uh, in some environment in a better privacy preserving manner so that no one entity, one bank or one environment can figure out who is performing transaction with whom. So privacy was indeed one of the main driver in early days. But when Bitcoin came in 2009 and actually got started in 2010 onwards, there it was actually came from a different angle where the idea was that rather than having a single government or governing entity making decisions about how the money is spent, and how it is created and distributed, can we have a decentralized or distributed control on that so that anybody who wants to become part of the governance of a currency will be able to join and become part of the governance. So that was one of the basic idea behind Bitcoin. And as we make progress to now, there are all sorts of different examples uh, that are emerging, including even Our own uh, centralized banks all over the world themselves are also considering what are known as Central Bank Digital, uh, Digital Currency Initiative.
0: How would you explain this to folks who are listening that are wondering, like, what would Bitcoin or cryptocurrency do for them? How useful is it for them in their day to day lives?
1: So one uh, one of the key aspect, one of the key driver in the early days of aspects such as Bitcoin was that it allows one to perform transactions going beyond the uh, the geographical boundaries that were present in a in a manner so that it's not restricted by any sort any sort of centralized agency that could have been present over there. Uh the uh, because the, it's a ledger that is maintained on the internet in a way it could be simply looked at if i can send an email to somebody it's uh, i do i'm not restricted by by any means by it's not that when i'm sending an email that i have to wait for a day or two for that email to reach there it is instantaneous process or if i send a message it can be instantaneous process uh, on other hand with the uh, with our existing payment infrastructure, the payments even across the borders or just within system itself can take a significant amount of time. And uh, what Bitcoin and other environment initially offered was efficiency towards performing transactions, where your tra- uh, your transaction uh, time it takes to perform your transaction is no longer limited by geographical or other uh, regulatory means
0: so you can get something within seconds versus waiting days
1: it, that was the aim but there's uh, there also catch over here in that respect indeed i can see the transaction let's say you paid me that it is actually getting added to the system in seconds but if you consider a system like bitcoin even to get uh, the transaction get added to the ledger it could easily take 10 minutes at least If the network is not congested or even you may have to wait for longer around up to an hour to ensure that uh, such a transaction indeed finish. But that's where a majority of the innovation has been happening in last seven to eight years where currencies beyond Bitcoin are trying to improve this latency to, uh, to the level of seconds or even milliseconds these days.
0: Right. Yeah. There's just so many different types of cryptocurrency out there. I, I keep hearing about new ones getting started. Um, and then sometimes there's fake ones that people get kind of uh, sucked into without realizing. Um, before we get into some of that stuff, I, I'm curious, what what is it about Bitcoin that has made it arguably the most prominent cryptocurrency out there?
1: Indeed. So the success of Bitcoin surprised many and including myself. I remember myself as a, a graduate student, uh, uh, doing my PhDs in this area of cryptography and distributed systems. And this paper came up from an unknown, actually a pseudonym, uh, and whom we still do not know who the author is. Uh, and realizing that this is this is all good. We knew many of things already. Uh, the timing was kind of a ride for uh, Bitcoin uh, what, what helped Bitcoin in its earlier days was this idea that anybody who wants to become part of the governing a currency can join it. They can become so-called miners, if you heard this term. And uh, and you can also then perform transactions in such environment. Essentially, there is no, your name never appears on such a ledger. You are only re, uh, you are only represented there by what is known as an uh, wallet address, uh, which is basically something known as uh, a public key from the cryptography terms, which is a, a public identifier for you but you can create any number of such public identifiers. So uh, so there is what, there was also inherent privacy aspect to that that was used. Later, how I'll say that, and early three to four years, the idea was indeed it was indeed uh, more popular among the enthusiasts with this whole environment of digital currency. But uh, in in spite of all the hiccups that Bitcoin saw in the early year, the technology and the underlying concepts found to be sound, and that actually got pe- more people interested into such environment where it offers a, a nice alternative or a complementary technology to all the things that we are performing today. And uh, many people uh, look today as that as a sound investment and that got started maybe from 2015 onwards. People also observe that the same technology can be employed beyond finances to supply chain, uh, to. Track, uh, and for all other applications, and uh, that gave even further boost. So that's how I I will see the journey started. Initially, it was privacy and the independence of the governance, but later the stability of the technology is what attracted people.
0: You, you mentioned the privacy, and and I don't know. I guess I had a misconception. I thought um, using cryptocurrency would be more uh, transparent. So is, is is the use of privacy a concern for some that you know, some bad actors might be using um, cryptocurrency to do things?
1: So I would like to answer this question two ways, because it's a very interesting question. And I, I use the term initially for privacy for Bitcoin. In fact, as it turns out now, it is considered that if you're using something like Bitcoin, then your privacy is even weaker than our current environment that we observe, where we use the current, our banking systems. Uh, because the ledger is transparent and available to everybody to observe. And there are all sort of linking attacks that have been thought through so that we can figure out uh, which transactions coming from which ID. And then eventually when you connect the ID in the Bitcoin world or blockchain world to an identifier, let's say... uh, outside a blockchain world in our environment through exchanges where we let's say convert dollar to bitcoin and that link can be employed now to establish all the transactions that you perform in bitcoin kind of environment and there are already firms which are actually expertise and they uh, they are active for several years now to dealing with this privacy uh, at, basically attacking the privacy on the bitcoin kind of environment at the same time, there are newer currencies that came up where the aim was to improve the privacy in such an environment so that privacy continue to uh, remain available to the level of our current centralized envi- uh, banking environment, or probably even better than that in some instances. On other hand, when you talk about the issue of uh, that privacy being used as a hiding place for illegal activities. It's certainly has been a small concern with this environment, but uh, I find that many times it's overhyped in the sense that, uh, even with our current central environment, all sort of money laundries and other issues and tax evasion have been equally effective and active, uh, when we look at the digital currency, it, it's another instrument with its own uh, nice uh, features and not so nice features. And uh, in general, uh, it has issues. But so far, we have observed that all the regulation agencies have been uh, successful to figure out uh, issues when it comes to the uh, money laundering and other ir- irregularities that typically happens in such environments.
0: I just remember hearing a lot about um, com- different companies that get hacked and then uh, those those bad actors will say things like, we need to be paid in Bitcoin if you want your files back.
1: Yes. So that certainly is something do happens for the ransomware attacks where your system get hacked and uh, then they ask you for making payment in Bitcoin. Uh, as it turns out, even there, there are examples where the money got recovered from such environment because... If, if they use Bitcoin as the example, we precisely know the how, where money is going, which address it is going to, and how it is making, uh, uh, let's say, trans, transfer in the Bitcoin environment itself. And once you see an exit point, you precisely know where it's going. So uh, they use it, but I don't think that's always going to be the case that that remains their preferred means. So at the same time, I will say that... Uh, even before, or even without Bitcoin, with the standard currencies, uh, such ransomware attacks could be performed, where now they may try to just tell you to perform transaction in a currency, in a foreign currency, and that could be much more a complex issue for an organization to deal.
0: Well, we'll be back in 90 seconds. I'm Mariam sobe and this is All In. This is All In. So today we're spending the hour with a computer science expert to help us understand rapidly changing technologies. You've probably heard about like blockchains, NFTs and cryptocurrencies. We're joined by Aniket Kate, an associate professor of computer science at Purdue university. Uh, So Aniket, we've focused so far on cryptocurrencies and I want to move on to a a different but related topic. Uh, Can you tell us what blockchain is now for those who have never heard of this before? What is the simplest understanding for this?
1: So uh, the term blockchain emerged with the cryptocurrencies uh, such as Bitcoin itself. But uh, actually the meaning of blockchain is actually in its name itself. So it's a chain of block. And uh, when we say, talk about these blocks, these are the blocks of the transactions. And what blo- what's the purpose of a blockchain is to offer uh, an immutable, um, to say more precisely, an append-only ledger of the transactions. Those transactions can be for uh, payments such as creating currency, transferring it, or destroying it. That's what happens in cryptocurrencies. But it doesn't has doesn't have to be those. Uh, it could be all sort of assets. It could be uh, your entities in supply chain or diamonds as they flow from one part of the world to other parts. So it, it basically offers a, a shared uh, ledger, which allows us to keep track of the assets or commodity as they move from hands to hands.
0: Okay, interesting. So it's a it's a shared ledger that anybody could look at for anybody's business, or is there any privacy with it? Uh,
1: that depends upon. So there are concepts called what we can call as public blockchains. So most of the cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, all these examples, they fall in what we we can call as public blockchains, where they want public scrutiny so that people can see that they're functioning correctly and then they will have more participation because of that. On the other hand, when we look at the applications of blockchain in more industrial or consortium environment, they may not want such public scrutiny. And we call them as more like consortium blockchains, and there are all sort of different privacy that can exist. The first thing is obviously when we are in this consortium environment, we do not want a people beyond these consortiums to be aware of the transaction that's happening there. So in that sense, we do not; they are not public for whatsoever. But privacy there could be also interesting, where we may say that we allow consortium across uh, different companies or organizations. And we want to make sure even there is some kind of a privacy so that one organization cannot scoop on the uh, trade secrets and practices by another organization. Just to give an example to show what I may want is I may want to make sure that I buy some product from a, uh, from a retailer at a, at a particular time based on my need for my, uh, my organization. And I may not want my competing organization or that retailer to figure out some aspect of my practices so that they can possibly create a, a, a more challenging environment for me.
0: Interesting. And, and I'm just trying to wrap my head around all of this. I, I, I guess what I'm wondering is, um, there are people that are really excited about the, the the promise of blockchains. What is it that makes folks interested in this technology?
1: So one of the key aspects that blockchain came in, I, I did not put that in the word blockchain itself, but it's somehow inherently associated with it is a decentralization or distribution. So uh, inherently blockchains are applic- are considered almost for everything, but their applicability actually is related for inherently distributed org- uh, environment where there are multiple uh, entities who simultaneously want to perform similar tasks And they want to make sure that uh, uh, those tasks get performed in a manner so that no single entity can actually uh, decide and make significant changes so that all of a sudden uh, there's a huge effect of those changes on them. And maybe an example for this could be, uh, let's say, Uber or Lyft kind of environment. Currently, let's say those those systems are completely centralized. There is one company who manages all that. But let's say we have an environment available where we can keep track of all this information without having a central entity so that the rules and uh, execution of rule and things are done in a completely transparent manner following the set of rule. And as long as a majority or super majority of the players in the system continue to function correctly, that we, uh, we indeed be able to say that there is no single party who is just making decisions which could affect everybody. And that was, for me, was a, one of the key driver behind the early, uh, ex- early interest into such an environment. Uh, these days, it's quite a lot more where people see others are getting excited you know that, they are also getting excited into these technologies. And uh, they are env- there are certainly examples where it is doing really well, uh, but there are examples such as supply chain, where there are multiple entities which come together. We're still in nascency in terms of how it, effective that could be.
0: It, it sounds to me, though, I mean, when, when you're talking about centralized and decentralized, these sound like some, some big words that that would put people on alert. Like, why would I want to be on something that's decentralized, where it could be like the Wild West and people are just making up whatever they want?
1: Yes. So, uh, And this is, this is certainly an important question to be considered. So there are also different ways of central, uh, decentralization. The one aspect for decentralization is that we already know what's the precise uh, premise of the de- decentralization. Let's say there are 10, 10 well-defined entities. And my premise is that as long as these 10 well-defined entities, who you know their place, you know their place uh, on the internet as well as possibly physical place. And you know that as long as, let's say, six of them continue to function correctly that such a system will continue to function correctly that can offer you much more confidence into the system than just indeed wild west as come to wild west uh, and indeed if you consider in that respect the uh, bitcoin or ethereum environment where indeed anybody can join such environment it's more the history that uh, see we see these systems functioning correctly without any uh, irregularities or. Uh, basically following the law as they define into those contract and those systems for uh, tens of years. And that gives people confidence that indeed these systems are working out as they're supposed to.
0: Who would you say is, is a uh, key right now in, in the blockchain world or, or who are the main players using blockchain?
1: So if you look at the blockchain in general, uh, I'll say so there are multiple players. So, finances continue to remain, and uh, people all over the world are considering uh, blockchains and, uh, in particular, cryptocurrencies as a, a investment mechanism or, in several examples, as a trading mechanism. And you, you people might have heard that Ecuador, for example, indeed considered Bitcoin as an alternative currency uh, because this certainly is probably, is at least in some uh, environment, is. In the, for the world, it may be certainly more stable than what they have locally. On other hand, beyond finances, uh, and people all over the world also look at that as a good investment, uh, to some extent, similar to the gold. Uh, beyond finances as well, all prominent supply chain players, I mean, you, you name it Walmart, Kroger, uh, are already considering uh, those for their supply chain issues, and where the key term there is the agility. I mean, we talk about all these uh, issues that can happen with supply chain, figuring out the, the challenge there uh, or figuring out the why a particular process is slow could be much easier if we have a, a more a, a transparent record uh, that goes across different industries and different players. that certainly is attractive where in supply chain uh, environment, blockchain can actually allow us to make tracing of incorrect behaviors or tracing inefficiencies much faster uh, than our current, uh, the completely distributed ledgers that we have. Third thing I want to add here, which is recent, but also going really fast uh, all over the world, is that even the countries or uh, the nation government themselves find uh, these digital currency uh, aspect where to be interesting so that they can offer their uh, citizens opportunity to perform transactions just from their mobile devices and phone and this central bank digital currency initiatives is also something which is gaining prominence all over the world including here in usa
0: I want to go back a little bit to what you mentioned with the supply chain issues and how blockchain can be helpful for that. I'm just trying to visualize how this works. Uh, so are you saying that if if somebody uses blockchain for supply chain issues, um, they'll be able to see step by step, like let's say a product is going from one part of the world to the other, it, everything that's happening along the way? Indeed.
1: so uh, this is really interesting. and let me take an example. Let's say I am buying something uh, which says this is organic and currently I just I have to trust that okay, it says in organic, so probably somebody checked that and and uh, and uh, verify that this is indeed organic. But let's say I have a technology available where I look at a code or barcode that's available on that particular product and I uh, scan that with my phone and it precisely tells me in what state it came. Like it started from, let's say, this particular farm in Ohio and then it got processed in somewhere in Indy and so on and so on and it eventually reached me. That can indeed offer me more confidence into indeed what I'm buying into. Uh, at the same time, let's say there is some kind of outbreak uh, such as we have many times with the fresh products like latest, and in that example, many times when we get all those uh, uh, those questions that okay, so they are recalling some of the products, uh, and many times what they do is that to make sure that they uh, there's no there's no uh, issue that emerge from people using those products, they make a much bigger uh, uh, recalls. But using blockchains, we could make sure that we can precisely find out where the outbreak is and reduce the recall to only entities where it matters. Where, let's say, I bought something, it's in my refrigerator, and I, rec- I see that there's a recall, and if I can scan at that particular barcode and realize that, ah, oh, there's no problem with this, we don't need to go back and give it to it, can give me much more confidence. Oh, that's so
0: interesting. Give-
1: yeah, I want to emphasize this aspect here that for sure we can do it today. What blockchain offers is, is the efficiency and speed with that. And especially with the first product, that means it will reduce into the less less wastage of those products. And that's the reason so this is certainly an area where we can do much more interesting. But I want to add a caveat there uh, that is essentially important to uh, mention is that... Uh, Especially with the supply chain environment, we are kind of connecting the physical world to the digital world, with the physical products to the digital world. And there, there is always a unique challenge in terms of creating uh, identities where I take this particular commodity and I want to somehow create a, some kind of a identifier for this commodity in my blockchain or in my ledger. And this process is always the challenging process. We can call it the last mile process because we want to make sure that these identities are unique and, it, uh, and we want to want to make sure that when product, we combine multiple products and bring them together to, bring, to make something bigger, that those identities are somehow preserved, at least in some environment. And that's always the challenge. In such an environment. So we have to have some kind of a trust there present when we link the physical physical goods to their digital identity.
0: Is there a way for blockchain to be used for other things? Uh, I'm just thinking right now, um, contact tracing in the pandemic.
1: There could be some advantage, but I don't see precisely there. If you look at the contact tracing problem uh, from that perspective, somebody might have thought of something, but at least I do not find that to be that. Effective because it's certainly in many environments, we manage to do that just with our Bluetooth and exchanging information as we as we come next to each other. So uh, that's a, I'm pretty sure somebody thought about using blockchain for contact tracing, but I do not find that to be a much useful uh, place. And I think that's
0: why you're the computer scientist and I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> uh so I, I another thing I was curious about is is whether blockchains are something that is just the new big thing and uh if if this is where it starts and stops, or is this a technology that is too important to go away?
1: By now, it is certainly sure that it's too important to go away uh indeed uh even when uh I'll say five years ago by that time, I was already much excited and working in this space. There were a lot of people who could easily doubt it. Uh, but blockchain uh, technology has proven that it is stable. And we indeed have uh, much good internet available all over the world for, for using that. And the properties and advantages that it offers will continue to serve us better. And I can certainly say that the cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, with all the regulations and whatsoever, may see uh, may have issues and may or may not survive to, a, to like tens of years. But the concepts uh, of blockchain and its applicability to the finance and supply chain and elsewhere will continue to maintain. And it's certainly, uh, we can say that it's it's here to stay.
0: Well before we uh, head to a break, we have a few minutes here. Uh, why do you think it's important or is it important for people who aren't in the tech industry to understand these concepts?
1: So uh, there are many interesting examples that are uh, building up. It's, it can it's, it has proven that it is a, it could become a nice place for investment if you are doing that in a secure fashion. Uh, at the same time, it can offer agility and mean let's say uh, there is a business. They could very, well easily come across people saying that, can I pay you in a particular cryptocurrency? Because that's what something offered to me, or there could be their retailers in some uh, some other country may prefer a uh, a payment in a particular currency, uh, which could be backed, by the way, by the central currency. There is a their concept like stable coins, which is precisely offer so that, we do not have these uh, inflexibility of the too much vol- volatility that we typically associate with the cryptocurrency prices. So uh, there, are, there are certainly much more uh, if, uh, significant efficiencies and agilities that these currencies can bring to the businesses as well as to the individual. And that's the reason uh, it's certainly interesting. We'll be also talking about uh, NFTs. And if you're an artist, there there could be interesting uh, aspect uh, from the blockchain that you could be interested in to understanding and knowing about that and that certainly could also bring uh, uh, bring you into the system where you may have much bigger audience to your environment if you're willing to consider your uh, important digital arts into the uh, so into the space and you uh, and basically doing business base- with basically anybody in the world
0: Well, we'll be back after a quick break. Today, we're learning about cryptocurrencies, blockchains, NFTs, and other new technologies with computer science professor from Purdue. If you have any questions or comments, you can always reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter at All in Indiana, or you can leave us a voicemail at 866-476-3881. That's 866-476-3881. I'm Miriam So We'll be back in 90 seconds. This is All In. This is All In, I'm Miriam So. Back now to our discussion on some of the big promises made around new technologies like cryptocurrencies and blockchains and how these systems might impact us in the years ahead. We're joined again by Aniket Kate, an associate professor of computer science at Purdue University. Aniket, uh, we've mostly talked so far about uh, different definitions of, of cryptocurrencies and blockchains and some of uh, the ways that they can be used in, in these technologies. Uh, I, I'm curious to know more about their impact and the worries some people have about them. How much of an impact do you think cryptocurrency has had so far on our society?
1: So uh, it's certainly not a huge so far, but it's, a, it's already significant. So far, mostly the, the, the utility of cryptocurrency and blockchain is restricted to the financial world. But over the years, we are indeed going to see that is affecting the supply chain world that we talk about as well as to uh other uh, i'll say more dis- uh, inherently decentralized processes so uh, rather than having single uber why not we have a, a, a ledger taking care of all the transactions that are necessary for such uber kind of environment could be interesting initiative Or there could be, when we look at all the, let's say, insurance business, that's also one of the interesting examples, that why there should be one centralized entity doing that, because inherently, it's a process that we can write down as a a contract or a a algorithm, step-by-step algorithm, and that can be executed on a fashion so that we don't have a, a central entity taking care of it. If there's a task which inherently requires a central entity, we should have it. But if not, uh, there is really no need to add such central entities. And if we can replace those central entities in all the uh, slowness that they bring or all the uh, unnecessary control that they bring, there are certainly applications beyond plain supply chain and finance where I see this is going to succeed.
0: Can, can you give us, uh, again, an explanation of, of like why a central entity wouldn't be needed? I, I'm I'm just trying to understand this also for myself. Is that, you you mentioned like for insurance, uh, Mm -hmm. would that be instead of using a a system, maybe a a, a software system that the company is using, they they use blockchain instead? So
1: really, and and maybe insurance is a good example in that respect, right? So uh, let's say all the rules for insurance are already well-known and we have an uh, algorithm in place to understand how the insurance to be, should be calculated. Okay. Once we have available that, so blockchain is, uh, it's a basically chain of, a chain of transactions. But those transactions are not necessarily just you pay to somebody. It could be anything that you want to perform with money or without money. So it could be a transaction for uh, uh, generating an insurance uh, or subscribing to insurance, or filing claims, or whatsoever. So if we can define this complete process in an automated fashion, then there is no need to have such centralized middle entity, which actually not only make the process uh, inefficient possibly, but also make it uh, less cheap, right? Because they bring their own interest and they get paid for that. So If we remove the middleman in an environment where the payer and payee can just perform transition by themselves, there's certainly uh, advantages that we bring where the whole process gets cheaper.
0: Okay. Well, I'm going to think of an example here that I don't know if this is relevant. Is it like saying um, in the past, you know, everything was paper and pencil and files, and now we have online records?
1: And uh, and I'm going. We we have online record, but we still have uh, the this one entity which creates online record. But if the that entity's task can be completely automated, then we can also remove this entity. And what blockchain offers is to perform a task of this entity in automated fashion, but with a fault tolerant guarantee. That as long as uh let's say I have 10 entity symmetries perform this task, six of them perform this correctly, I know that the correct transaction will happen. I can always take this ta- uh, this program and put that on a computer and run it. But then if that computer fails, then uh multiple things can happen. Either incorrect transaction happens or no transaction happens. But if I replace that one computer by, by 10 computers and assume that now as long as six of them continue to function correctly, that my process will be complete. That's a distributed guarantee that blockchain brings to the system.
0: Mm, Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, When it comes to uh, uh, cryptocurrency, I do want to talk about that a little bit more real quick. Um, Is there anything people should be concerned about? I mean, I mentioned briefly at the top of the show, just that there's there's scams of cryptocurrency that people sometimes fall into.
1: So there are a lot of things to concern about and be aware of. The One of the key thing is the usability of the system is still improving, but it is essentially different from what we are used to. Today, if I want to log into my bank or any system, I have a, a username and a password. If I forgot my password, I just have a button available to forgot password. It will ask me some question or some other mechanism or send me an email and I can recover my password or change my password. Okay, And we are used to that. And although it has its own issues, but at least uh, it is stable by now. And we continue to use that for several years. In a pure blockchain environment, if I forget my private key associated with my address, then nobody can help me to recover it at a co- core level. And it's an important thing to understand that we have to indeed be better at maintaining this information. The solutions, some, come, uh, have, come, some have come up is have what are known as the uh, other wallet services where you use your typical password, username and password kind of credential to log in and they take care of all your transactions. And that certainly is a thriving and a very big business, but that certainly goes slightly beyond uh, the typical expected expectation that one uh, have from such uh, decentral or distributed entities. I mean, we have something which is distributed, but we are using a, a single point of entry to connect to it. But as a starting point, they could still be very good. Uh, way to gain if you do not have the knowledge in the computer science field in terms of how to maintain these things better. So those, those kind of a wallet services could be good starting point. And eventually once you get more acquired, you can even move to away from them and have complete control over your transaction. So usability of the system is certainly important. It's also important to understand, uh, issues that can happen. And I want to give a, a fun example what is you know, front running. So let's say uh, there is an interesting uh, financial instrument that is created on a blockchain and I, using my knowledge, I, I'm going to perform a transaction. And let's say these uh, validator nodes, which are actually going to execute this transaction onto this blockchain environment, look at this transaction and they figure out that by adding their own transaction, more like an insider job, they can gain money through it. And this has indeed happening in many such uh, systems, which is known as front-running, which uh, basically not uh, stop your transactions, but indeed can reduce the benefit that you gain uh, that you could have otherwise got uh, if such front-running transaction wouldn't have been present and uh, you may even get some loss in such environment. So that's an interesting example uh, that I can think. And The final one I want to add there is more uh, associated with the the patching any bugs. So we are all used to seeing those uh, those the stickers or those note on our uh, on our screen saying that oh the system need to be applied there is security uh, update or there is kind of a new version that is coming up that you should install on your system. A normal, normal system it's always encouraged and I'll encourage everybody you should accept <laughs> the security updates as soon as you get it because otherwise your computer could be vulnerable uh, but uh, they are peculiarly challenging in blockchain world because let's say uh, I I'm running a, a blockchain system and we realize there is a there is a bug there that could be exploited mm-hmm. and, and see I, I create a patch for that and I put on the system. Now all of a sudden somebody might be keep keeping tracking of that uh, that that patch uh, that I put and realize that, ah this is the bug so they may really quickly launch an attack which can be sweeping across a huge user space because of that and there are all sorts of very interesting things that many of the blockchain projects already did where in terms of uh, hiding this important patch along with some other small, tiny patch where they said that, oh, we are going to update this very superficial feature. But in fact, along with that, they actually updated something more even significant. And and, and they, they, they really opened it. They, after, after five days, when they realized major 2 players had already went with the patch, they said that, hey, this was something that we have to, we did. Uh, in terms of patching and it was a major bug we realized and we fixed it this way but you see it's a because there is inherently immediate monetary impact involved here patching is a very challenging process in general
0: before we um wrap up i do want to touch upon nfts or non-fungible tokens and um, i think there's a lot of confusion around what this is we've heard of artists and celebrities who are selling things you know like a, a a digital picture for millions of dollars what what are nfts
1: so uh, as you say nft are non fungible tokens it means that uh, it has a uniqueness to it so in principle if you look at a, a, a bank currency note uh, it's uh, it's quite fungible in the sense that i can replace a, do, a, a 10 dollar note with another 10 dollar note uh it could be situation that maybe somebody is keeping track of some identifiers and say that I don't accept that particular node, something like that. But essentially, in most environment, we say they are perfectly fungible. Uh, if you look at cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, they are so less fungible, but still a bit more. I mean, one Bitcoin could be looked at uh, equal to other Bitcoin. But uh, you may be in a situation where you say that, no, seems like this Bitcoin is coming from the money laundering world, so I'm not going to accept it. So it is certainly less fungible than the cash, but it is still fungible. NFTs are essentially unique entities, which uh, in principle, there should not be anything else like that. And, uh, and And that's the reason there is a value now that somebody may really like to own something. But because we are in the digital world, that means that, and, and we know that in digital world, everything can be copied. So that's it a lot of confusion can, can indeed come that, what does it even mean to own something in a, in a public world? Let me first give an example where it actually means something and where it has been effective and used quite a lot. And that's in the gaming world, the online gaming world, I could own a particular avatar which somebody created and uh, I I have an NFT on that and I own it and the the, the gaming environment can make sure that I am indeed shown as an owner. Somebody else may still copy that and put on their website, but in the gaming world, they are not certainly owner to it. So that's the reason in gaming world, indeed, these different arts, uh, when they use, NFT has been a hit and has been very successful and is a meaningful Beyond, but if you consider in general public, there are already lot, uh, as you mentioned, many celebrities and many other uh, people buying NFTs. And uh, there, the value of NFT is yet to be uh, completely determined. It's very speculative. Uh, and it is also depend on any uh, environment. I mean, let's say uh, one issue could be that uh, I created an art, which is let's say, physical art, uh, and maybe I, or maybe I put that somewhere on my page, but I haven't yet registered that on the NFT service. Somebody else come along and just took that and sell it as if they created it. They may still use the, my name, but they may try to sell it by themselves. And mm-hmm. so you challenge where uh, some artists have already realized that somebody else is actually taking their arts and trying to sell it on a different NFT market. It's a very interesting and challenging issue. So, in some sense, maybe the artists want to make sure that they at least have a presence in such environment to keep track of if some of their digital uh, art possibly just, just does not appear there, because they may at least at least ask for them to take a, uh, them to be taken down and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I was I was actually wondering about that because I was thinking, isn't there copyright issues like if somebody can just take anything and and make an NFT out of it? Um, you know, and there's nobody putting any rules.
1: <laughs> yes. So, and, and this is indeed the regulation there in the public world. It's interesting and it becomes more challenging because uh, the copyright enforcement may not work there because this other person who is basically stealing your art or trying to make money out of your art, it may not be in the jurisdiction where we can apply copyright effectively or we may not be able to figure out immediately their identity. So there are indeed issues to relate it to that. What we try to do is, and that's remain vigilant. And if we are into the digital art, that actually create IDs in such environment and keep track if some of the things that we're doing are not getting somehow stolen. The one thing is that if you are an artist and something, a big transaction happen on your name, you may be able to figure it out, but the ship might have already sailed there if money has already transferred, right? So that's why it's important to be vigilant in this space uh, in general. When it's come to actually having physical art and going making a digital version of that and putting that on NFT, it's also even weird that what does it even mean to own this thing, right? So it's indeed a, a, a very uh, fluid sequ- situation, but certainly in the gaming world, I see a clear example because it's a closed system. I see clear advantage and example, and it is doing really well over there.
0: Well, we have about uh, a minute and a half left. What are you looking forward to um, from everything we've talked about in the coming months and years ahead?
1: So uh, one of the things I want to mention from the financial world, if you look at the whole cryptocurrency space, a majority of them, it is very much on uh, what we can call as the cash or currency, which is basically only part of what we do. Most of the most of us, do for all of our transaction, use credit card. And this loan or credit environment is not yet uh, seen its perfect form or a good form in this blockchain world. So this concept called credit network, which excites me a lot, and I think there is a huge initiative there to go beyond uh, just the plain transactions or uh, transaction with the cash. So. Current world could be look at more like a, a cash transactions or bank transaction or a debit card, but uh, indeed uh, there is lot more we can do with this whole credit network environment where we can uh, basically create more like a, a credit kind of instrument or loaning kind of instrument, which I am inter- excited to see. I'm also hoping to have better privacy in this environment because uh, pra- because it is very well it can very well happen that because people are still getting used to it. Uh, somehow I'm, uh, I do not have a perfect knowledge for that, but I still owe significant amount of money, uh, because people can figure out my IP address by basically my location on the internet. They may try to go after me and try to steal money from me by, uh, by going off using different vulnerabilities. So that's the reason we need better privacy and we need better wallets and better protection for our money in such environment. And it is going to take some time, but, uh, and we are making some steps toward that. Uh, but indeed, that's certainly the concern for me as ICP. All
0: right. Well, Anna, thank you so much for joining us. I'm Miriam sobe Thanks for listening. This is All In.